enjoy the little things in life for one day, you may look back and realize they were the big things. Robert Brault. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Alright guys, welcome back to the show. Let's do this again. Uh, Today we are talking about how to live long, some of the anti-aging lifestyles that help people reach that 100-year mark and, and beyond. Part of the reason I went down this rabbit hole is because I heard Peter Adia talking about uh, his intense training for certain cycling uh, goals and things. But now he's 47 and he's starting to understand like, I'm past my prime in setting cycling goals compared to other people that might be in their 20s or 30s. And really, my new game should become focused on longevity and healthy years towards the end of my life. And he he sort of explained his developing workout routine that's going to last through his, you know, late 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond in order to be able to do certain tasks in his 80s or 90s. Apparently, he's got a list of about 18 of these tasks that he's working specifically towards, but uh, he listed a few, and I'll just give you a couple, such as carrying two 10-pound bags up a few flights of stairs, or getting out of a pool that has maybe a foot between the water and the edge of the pool to be able to push himself out, hop over a three-foot fence. Um, There was one that was like deadlift a weight approximately the weight of a small child, get off the floor without using his hands. So a variety of functional lifestyle goals. And so he's looking at these, like, I want to have this sort of lifestyle in my 80s and then reverse engineering a lifestyle that helps him achieve that. And that was very interesting to me because we've we've heard that idea or saying about it's not how many breaths you take, but how many moments take your breath away. Well, I think it that's an important part of life, but also what if you have more breaths and you have more opportunity to have some great experiences and build deep relationships and uh, enjoy various aspects of life for an additional 10 or 20 years because you took care of yourself and you lived a, a really great lifestyle. Uh, you know, if if you're trying to build wealth, well, what if you had an additional 15 healthy years to both build or enjoy wealth and suddenly your timeline changes. You don't have to have it by the time you're 40 or 50. You can have it when you're 60 or 70 and then you can enjoy it, right? What if you want to see your grandkids and great grandkids participate in all the activities they're going to do? Uh, So it's an interesting idea. How do we become centarians and not just live that long, but live well that long, right? So I'm going to share with you a variety of studies here that talk about how these blue zones achieve this uh, and some of the commonalities between people in different parts of the world that have somehow created these communities and lifestyles that help them have a healthy life and enjoyable lifestyle in their 80s, 90s, or even 100s. Okay. But quickly, before we jump into that, I want to bring up 
our new sponsor here of the show, Magic Mind. I'm holding this little shot in my hand. It's a two-ounce fluid shot. It's filled with some really great ingredients such as matcha, which boosts your energy, adaptogens, helps you relax. So sometimes we're operating with too much cortisol in our system and uh, so sort of relaxing us. Uh, nootropics, which helps keep you focused, and then some immunity vitamins like vitamin C, D, and echinacea, right? So it's a, a healthy shot, and you can take this either independent of or alongside your preferred source of caffeine. So if you're a coffee drinker or you, you're going to have an energy drink at some point in the day, uh, this can extend the effects of caffeine. So it actually slows the rate at which you're absorbing and eliminating that caffeine. It kind of um, extends that through the day, helping you avoid a crash. And so if you're taking your caffeine at the proper time alongside your magic mind, uh, you'll stay focused longer. You'll avoid you know, constantly consuming those caffeinated drinks, many of which are not all that healthy. And so, you know, if you could reduce the amount that you require to stay focused and stay on a high, that's a good thing. So I'd encourage you to go check this out. Uh, you can go over to magicmind.co slash the life you want, and you can use promo code the life you want two zero to get yourself a, a significant discount over there and give it a try. Hopefully you find it as effective and helpful as I do and uh, enjoy your new morning routine with that. All right, so let's jump into some of these studies that I mentioned earlier about how you can set up your life in a way that helps you stay physically, mentally, and socially happy, healthy, and well for a very long time. So I want to start first with some information from Susan Pinker and her her research on these blue zones. And I'll I'll combine that with some of the things that Dan Butner has to say. He has some similar research and ideas on this. So uh, Susan says that about 25% of longevity is determined by your genes and that 75% is actually lifestyle. Whereas Dan Butner says that it's more like 10% uh, of longevity is associated with genes and the rest is is lifestyle. So either way, whether it's 10 or 25%, it's not a huge amount of genetic makeup that allows you to live a long life. It's more your lifestyle that will determine how long you're going to live. So Dan Butner, he was part of this team that worked with National Geographic to go study blue zones. And so they went and took a look at these, these blue zones to determine which lifestyle factors were sort of in common with another blue zone in a different part of the world. So one of these blue zones was in Greece, but it's not just all of Greece. It was actually the people living in the highlands. So they were at a higher elevation. The land is a little bit rugged, uh, not very easy to farm, but they do all have gardens and things like that. Another one that they bring up actually has the oldest living women was in Okinawa, Japan, just south of Japan. And some of the things that they have in common with the two different cultures and blue zones. So I'll just say that in America, only about one in 5,000 people actually lives to be a hundred. So it's quite rare to get that old, but in these blue zones, they have much, much higher rates, uh, maybe 10 or 10 or 15 times as many centurions as in, in America. Now, one of the very, very clear differences between 
blue zones in the rest of the world is that social isolation kills. <laughs> I, I think that's become well known at this point, but how do you create a lifestyle that allows for social integration, but also physical activity and good nutrition? So in decades past, Susan Pinker says that the biggest killers were like disease or infection, right? And now today, the biggest risk of early death or chronic illness is actually that social isolation and that a third of the population says they have two or fewer people to lean on. Dan Butner references a similar study where about 15 years ago, people had three good friends and today we're down to about one and a half here in America. So we are becoming less and less connected to our close-knit peer group. Uh, we don't have as many tight friends. We don't spend as much time together. And we have fewer people to lean on when things go south. The centurions that Susan Pinker interviewed were always surrounded by family and friends. She said when she was in their houses, people were just coming and going. They often lived together. Uh, these blue zones tend to respect their elders and see taking care of elderly people as an honorable part of their culture. Whereas in modern day society, we're starting to disconnect more and more, moving away to go to college or moving away for another job, putting large geographical distances between people and their loved ones. But we think that we can still connect because we have all these social media networks and telephones and FaceTime and those things. But there's some interesting research that shows the difference between connecting to someone via media or connecting in person. So Susan and her peers took a look at the impacts of connecting in person versus interacting online. And interacting in person releases a cascade of neurotransmitters that protect you from a variety of things. These neurotransmitters foster trust, they reduce stress, they kill pain and induce pleasure. So some of that is like the dopamine response tends to decrease pain and increase satisfaction, joy, right? Uh, maybe serotonin and, and the connection between people. She said even things as little as a handshake or a high five or eye contact can have these visible effects. But connecting via social media or online, these same responses don't occur. So you don't have as significant of an impact. So you, you don't have those feelings of incre increased trust and satisfaction and serotonin and dopamine release in the same magnitude as you do in person. So there seems to be a real effect of living in a community that you connect to. Another interesting study done by Julian Holstead who is a researcher from Brigham Young University. She did this longitudinal study basically covering seven years. They looked at thousands of people and their current lifestyles. They tried to understand their jobs and things. It sounded to me much like the uh, longitudinal study from Harvard about happiness and aging, which I've referenced many times before. Kind of a mini version of that. Took in as much data as they could on these people's lives. And then seven years later, uh, looked at who was still living, <laughs> and then organized the factors they could identify in order of what impacted their longevity from least to most. And so uh, this 
might be surprising to you. I don't know. So the least impactful thing was clean air. <laughs> uh, hypertension diagnosis, then lean versus overweight. That was the third least out of the top 10. Exercise is right after that. Cardiac rehab. Flu vaccine, which I found kind of strange. Quitting drinking or not drinking at all. Quit smoking. That was third. Close relationships was second. And social integration was first. So the top two are both dependent on your relationships and, and interaction with society around you. So bouncing back to Dan Butner's information and his study with the National Geographic, they found that these people in Okinawa are assigned at birth to a moai, which is basically a tight-knit group of friends that you're going to live life with. And these operate sort of like a little tribe or family. And so when when you have benefit or or come across good fortune, you're going to take care of your, your moai. And when something bad or negative befalls you, you're also going to help support there. So you might end up raising someone's kids or supporting them when they're sick or sharing some of the the money with one another if you're fortunate enough to come across something some uh, big win. So these people sort of are assigned this click and they live their life together. And he, he showed a picture uh, of one of these groups and the average age of these women was 102 years old. And so they've just been living their lives together literally for a hundred years. So when they looked at these blue zones and tried to understand which lifestyle characteristics were in, in several different blue zones, uh, these are some of the things that they came up with. They set up their lifestyle in a way that encourages them to move on a regular basis. So oftentimes sitting on the floor, making them get up and down frequently. They they visit one another in person a lot. So they're constantly going out, either walking over there or at least getting into their car and driving, walking in and out, um, getting themselves ready to go out with frequency. They use fewer electronics. So like when cooking, they stir by hand uh, and... They all have gardens, so they're spending a lot of time out there weeding and hoeing and watering and picking. They take care of animals or uh, participate in child rearing and things like that. So they don't actually exercise in the traditional sense here in America as far as going to the gym. They just have a lifestyle that encourages a lot of movement throughout the day, every day. They don't retire either. They might downshift or change their role in society, but all of them know why they wake up in the morning and it's to fulfill some purpose that serves the society around them. So a lot of these elderly people know that their role is to catch enough fish for the family on a weekly basis or uh, watch and attend to great, great grandchildren when needed, uh, things like that. So they, they don't just retire and forget about their purpose, uh, which happens to be a very dangerous time in American lives is a lot of people die the year they retire because they lose a purpose, a sense of community. They have increased loneliness and stress and things like that. And so these communities, they don't have that in their culture. They continue to participate in the betterment of society, even if they can't do what they did in their forties. Entertainment 
also involves a lot of movement, such as riding bikes or going on walks, things like that. So they encourage one another to basically be active. Their cultural norms are not built upon overeating. In fact, they have subtle ways of helping themselves to not overeat. So in Okinawa, they actually try to stop eating before their stomach is full, knowing that it takes nearly a half hour to send that signal from your stomach to your brain saying, look, I've had enough to eat. I don't need more. In Greece, apparently they'll actually serve the food, put the remainder of the food away, and then go sit down and eat, kind of discouraging going back for seconds or thirds. So you don't just eat until the food is gone or eat until you're stuffed. You sort of just eat your serving and then you're done. In Greece, as well as Okinawa, it's a cultural norm to take care of your elderly. So a lot of times they live together under the same roof or at least spend a lot of time going to visit and help take care of these older people. The elderly are sort of celebrated as the very wise and experienced people in, in the community. Dan made a, a joke about in America, you go to a bar and you might see a calendar of swimsuit models, whereas in Greece, you might see a calendar of the elderly people in the bar. Uh, so more celebrated. They all belong to some faith-based community. So the entire community sort of has these established norms where they're going to do some sort of spiritual ritual, you know, four times a month, every Sunday or even Saturday in the case of the Seventh-day Adventists. This spiritual ritual tends to help them downshift, whether it's through meditation or prayer, no matter how busy or stressed they might be at their job or other factors in their life, they're going to take time to stop and pray or meditate, take some time in worship, which reduces stress hormones, which we're going to get into with some of Elizabeth Blackburn's work. Elizabeth Blackburn is a Nobel Prize winning scientist who discovered telomerase, which is an enzyme that prevents telomeres from shortening and deteriorating. So let me just give you a little background there. So a telomere is a structure that is made up of DNA sequences and proteins found at the end of a chromosome. Okay. So basically, as your cells are replicating, these DNA have to replicate and the coding of this DNA is what allows a cell to then separate and be a, an independent cell. And they also have this DNA sequencing. Well, at the end of these chromosomes uh, are these little sequences of DNA proteins. And she describes it much like the end of a shoelace, how you have that little plastic protective end. And that's what keeps the shoelace together. But if that starts to deteriorate and eventually fall off, well, you can't rethread shoelaces. They begin to deteriorate. And in the body, once that telomere is deteriorated too far, the cell is basically signaled to die. <laughs> so what happens as we age is our cells actually replace themselves several times throughout our life, life cycle, right? Certain parts of the body replace themselves quicker than others. But let's just say that every about eight years, your entire body has been replaced by new cells. Every time a cell replicates, that telomere actually gets shorter. 
So that shortening of the telomere is associated with a less functional cell in some way. So that's where you can identify the effects of aging. So your skin starts to wrinkle, your muscles might lose a little bit of mass or strength, especially in a sedentary person, the bones get very weak, right? So the shortening of the telomere has to do with aging until it dies. So Elizabeth Blackburn and her colleague found that telomerase actually prevents the telomere from shortening when it replicates. And of course, you know, everyone wants a dose of telomerase to keep them young forever. But I guess in her research, they found that this is a a careful balancing act in humans. And if you increase the telomerase too much, we become susceptible for certain cancers that are also deadly. And so uh, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act trying to keep within a normal range, much like many parts of the body, such as like pH, for example, right? Our body on a pH scale of zero to 14 operates within this teeny little window of our blood's pH. And so, um, a similar idea with this telomerase, we kind of have to balance this very delicately. Well, this is important because with the shortening of these telomeres, you're aging and deteriorating and becoming closer to a dead person, which is uh, not good. So with the discovery of these, this telomerase and how to prevent telomeres from shortening, they uh, have new questions such as will chronic stress shorten your telomeres faster than someone who is not stressed out. And so here's more of the scientific end of why certain lifestyles help us stay younger, or at least live healthier, longer. So one study that that proves some of this is that they studied mothers who are caregivers for children who have some sort of chronic illness or autism or something that, that sort of increases the caregiver's responsibility and stress load, as opposed to children who don't have these chronic illnesses or conditions. And what they found is that the number of years and level of perceived stressfulness were in direct proportion to the length of the telomeres. So if if the caregiver perceived their life as stressful and their situation they were in, telomeres were shorter compared to the control group, uh, as well as the actual daily stress from managing these uh, conditions. So both the perception of stress and the reality of their day were both related to shorter telomeres. So at least the perception is very much within our control. So another study showed that caregivers who are taking care of patients with dementia, so this time we're talking about elderly patients, when they practiced meditation for at least 12 minutes a day for only two months, there was a noticeable decrease in overall cortisol and increased telomerase. So chronically high levels of cortisol suppress your body's levels of telomerase. So meditation can help it, reducing real stress in your life if you can get sufficient help as needed with whether it's child rearing or your job is stressful, if you can change your job or hire certain aspects away. Avoiding chronic stress. She did mention that people, when they encounter some challenge and they perceive this as like a, let's do this, bring it on. They have a spike in cortisol. They address the challenge and then 
the cortisol goes back, that it didn't seem to have an effect. It's the chronic long-term stress and increased levels of cortisol over time that suppress your telomerase. Which brings us back to Elizabeth Redke's study on eye contact and high fives and shaking hands and being in person with people decreases cortisol, increases happy hormones, and has the exact opposite opposite effect of chronic stress. And these studies have been replicated in other animals as well. There's an anthropologist by the name of Joan Silks who found that female baboons that had a core group of other female friends, they lived longer and actually had more surviving offspring. So it's not just humans. We all have these mechanisms in our body that basically say, is stress too high? We're dying. Are we too isolated? We're dying. Are we not active enough? We're dying. So we all have these feedback loops to the brain that seem to be saying, am I needed? Am I significant? Am I happy? If yes to those questions, let's keep going. So in order to be able to answer yes to those questions and make sure your your brain is getting the right information and your body is staying well, you need to make sure that you're moving on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be hard exercise in the morning. It can just be simple things like walking, riding your bike, getting up and down off the floor, wrestling with your kids, stirring instead of using the blender, right? Simple things. Go out and garden. Uh, you need to be integrated with your community. So go out and volunteer, serve coach a team, uh, take care of the elders and the kids in the community, create tight knit groups, make sure that you have long-term friends, uh, long-term marriages. These things matter, trying to create connections that are deep and long lasting and that involve a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. And then don't overeat, try to eat a, a generally healthy diet and just don't overeat. And lastly, whether you're a churchgoer or not, try and find a way to, to spend some time in meditation, to slow it down, reset your mindset and your hormones and your stress levels, and take a break. So anyway, guys, there's some tips to help you live long and healthy into your 80s, 90s, or even hundreds. And uh, hopefully you can work on setting up your lifestyle and community in a way that helps you achieve that. So I appreciate you all listening. And we will catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com slash store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.